Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is America's Trucking Network with Kevin Gordon. This is America's Trucking Network. 700 WLW. I'm Kevin Gordon. Man, I'll tell you what. There is a lot of movement going on in the energy, uh, especially in the oil and gas markets right now and of course we got the other normal news that we'll be getting to so i'm um, looking forward to doing the second segment with the oil and gas prices because there's like i said there's a, a lot of movement going on there and a lot of information <laughs> it's, it's like one force is por- pushing against the other and it's it's funny to see which one's going to win out um so anyway let's go take a look a quick at the headlines and by the way thanks for joining us uh certainly appreciate you being here uh spending tar- part of your evening with us certainly appreciate that um let's uh go down the headlines here real quick the irs mistakenly published confidential information on one hundred and twenty thousand taxpayers mistakenly by the way uh, Cummins recalls faulty engine control modules for 28 manufacturers. TQL non-compete agreement is in the news and is subject to a lawsuit. We'll see how that plans out, pay, plays out. Department of Transportation is to give states uh, $512 million for road and bridge repairs. Driver training programs overwhelmed by interest, which is really good. High-impact oil and drilling is back, and the White House is sending an envoy to visit the port of Oakland to see what they can do because there is a downturn of cargo passing through there. So it's interesting there. And then also in the port of Oakland, they're actually talking about using part of the area there for a ballpark. So I'm sure that's not going to imp or help with the... Um, transportation and offloading cargo and moving cargo through that point so port rather so let's get right to it here and let's uh, talk about the issues of the day by the way yesterday being labor day kind of a continuation of the dark mean nasty angry speech that joe biden gave in independence hall uh, basically, he talked about that being sacred ground, but then he desecrated it by his speech. And then yesterday during Labor Day, he doubled down, wasn't talking about the policies that they're implementing to help you, your kitchen table issues as far as the economy, inflation, as far as educating your kids, roads, energy, any of that. It was attacking the other side, attacking one half of the country. So suddenly, as as in some countries, that if you don't support the regime, you are an enemy. And that's basically what he is staking out for him right now. I don't know who's writing his speeches, but this is certainly not the unity that everybody talked about. I think, you know, if you talk to people back in the day that wanted to vote for him, it was like, well, we just got to get away from all this nonsense. There's always this consternation and the mean tweets and all this sort of stuff. We just need somebody to just calm things down. Well, (laughs) 
how'd that work out for you? But anyway, the, the, the speeches all day yesterday that I saw were just mean, nasty, and, and just downright unbecoming of what you would expect a president to give. You would expect those kind of speeches to be given at a, at a uh, convention or if you're in, you know, when you're among your party that you talk a little bit stronger about your opponents than what you do in public. But uh, apparently that's not the style or not the effort that's going on today. So anyway, let's get into the, some of the news. Internal Revenue Service mistakenly publishes confidential information on 120,000 taxpayers. Internal Revenue Service said on Friday it accidentally exposed, but has since removed the confidential financial information about 120,000 taxpayers. In a letter to Homeland Security Chairman uh, Representative Benny Thompson, Democrat Mississippi, Treasury Department Acting Assistant Secretary for Management Anna Canfield-Roth wrote the IRS recently identified an inadvertent and now corrected disclosure of a subset of Forms 990-T. Form 990-T is the business tax return form used by tax-exempt entities to report business income or investments that are unrelated to their exempt purpose. Tax-exempt entities include certain organizations, government entities, and retirement accounts. She noted the disclosure included limited information for the 120,000 individuals, adding that some instances the data did include individual names or business contact information. According to the Wall Street Journal, which first reported the disclosure, the data also included financial information about income within people's IRAs. In other words, if you're on this list, then your financial information and information out of your IRA is now in the uh, public domain or at least was there. And, of course, anytime that's there, somebody can Snapchat or snap snapshot that, uh, do a screen capture of that and um, have that information. So way to go, IRS. Uh, however, the data did not include Social Security and well, good for them did not include social security numbers, individual income information, detailed financial account, or other sensitive information that could impact taxpayers' credit. Well, thank goodness there. The IRS is continuing to review this situation and has been instructed by the Treasury Department to, quote, conduct a prompt review of its practices to ensure necessary protections are in place to prevent unauthorized data disclosure. Well, uh, <laughs> generally those... Uh, uh, Policies and uh, practices should be in effect before you start doing this stuff. So they, it's like, you know, locking the door after the uh, the barn door after the horses have run free. And, of course, you know, guaranteed nobody's going to lose their job. Nobody's going to get reprimanded. Nobody's going to be fired. None of this. It's just, you know, we made a mistake. Hey, we're the government. Too darn bad. As uh, she said, the more details would come within the next 30 days, including summary Zara's response to the disclosure. Well, thank you very much there. You know, you give this information online and it's supposed to be safeguarded, it's supposed to be encrypted, so on. They are supposed to release only certain data, especially if it's, um, you know, not, uh, uh, tax exempt. And generally what they have in there is their, you know, again, the income that they generate. And then this other form is non-related income that they may have. But again, this is not supposed to be disclosed. This is not suppo supposed to be something to the um, uh, individual uh, p public. But, of course, they made this, quote, air quotes, mind you, 
mistake. So, uh, yeah, um, we'll see about that. Major truck makers affected by a possible, a possible stalling issue. Cummins recalls faulty engine control modules on 28 manufacturers. Cummins uh, Inc. is recalling 12,196 engines across its product line because a faulty engine control module can lead to stalling and increase the risk of a crash. Packard Inc. is the latest to report the issue, recalling 1,600 models a year 2023 vehicles across 21 Kenworth and Peterbilt product lines. The ECM failures affect 100% of the recalled trucks, buses, and vocational equipment, Cummins wrote to customers August the 1st, saying it determined the safety-related defect in certain X15, X12, L9, and B6.7 engines manufactured between May 13th and June the 28th. Now, I will post this online so that if you want to look through here, I mean, the in in addition to Packard's Kenworth Peterbilt brands affected OEMs are and they go down through this list of all the various manufacturers that are going to be affected by this so you may want to take a, a look at that and uh, update your information NT and NHTSA recall number for Cummins is 22E-063 of course, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk about oil and gas prices nationwide and give you kind of a background of what's going on in the oil and gas industry today. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. This is the Racing Report on America's Trucking Network on 700 WLW. Sunday's opening night of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs produced drama, damage, and distress all on the big stage in the Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway. At the end of a long and zany evening, Petty GMS driver Eric Jones, not among the 16 playoff drivers, emerged from the fire in frustration to win the 500, a major upset to open NASCAR's playoff run. After numerous playoff drivers had issues, Jones had the lead on a green flag restart with 21 laps remaining. Second place, Denny Hamlin and Tyler Reddick finished third. A significant chunk of the sport's playoff drivers endured trouble, large and small and fiery. The results of the 500 jumbled the playoff standings. Leader Chase Elliott fell to ninth place. Kevin Harvick dropped seven spots to 16th. Joey Logano moved off a spot to take the lead. William Byron moved into second and Denny Hamlin third. The nice biggest issue landed squarely on the Chevrolet of Elliott who entered the playoffs with a 15-point edge over second place. Elliott finished last after after he lost control of his Chevrolet on lap 113 in a crash. Elliott's team tried to complete repairs to the right side of the car, but the, they ran out of time on the damaged vehicle policy and forced a number nine to park for the night. By night's end, Elliott was far from alone in the ugliness. Seven of the other 15 playoff drivers had problems, including former champion Harvick, who left the race after his car erupted in flames, leading angrily to criticize NASCAR. Also parked was two-time champion Kyle Busch and his teammate Martin Truex Jr. This is the Racing Report on America's Trucking Network on 700 WLW. Say Dennis and ATN. This is a Richter and Phillips Jewelers 700 WLW player profile. How about that, sport fans? Richter and Phillips Jewelers, voted Cincinnati's best place to buy your engagement ring. I love it! Now, Mo Egger has a name you need to know. The offseason story for the Bengals was their overhaul of the offensive line, where Cincinnati will have four different starters from last season. 
a major acquisition from Tampa Bay, Alex Kappa has a Super Bowl ring that he won two seasons ago with the Buccaneers, helping to protect the legendary Tom Brady. Kappa will play right guard in Cincinnati, where not only will he be asked to reduce the number of hits on Joe Burrow, but he brings the town a pro football focus grade as a run blocker that equals his grade as a pass protector. And he brings toughness, having once attempted to play a playoff game two years ago despite breaking his ankle. Get to know right guard Alex Kappa. Mo has more. Be listening for the next player profile on 700 WLW, the home of the best Bengals coverage. Attention, if you have a current insurance plan, you are eligible to receive. This is America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. I'm Kevin Borden. Thanks for hopping on board. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks for tuning in. Certainly appreciate it. And uh, by the way, it'd be a good time to remind you that if you miss any part of the program or any of the other uh, programs that you like to look at or listen to, rather, uh, you just go to your iHeartRadio app, go to 700WLW, scroll through the various shows, find American Struck and Network. All the shows, all the interviews are right there at your fingertips. Podcast is sponsored by Rush Truck Centers. Now, as we always do in this segment, we'll take a look at oil and gas prices. And, of course, today's going to be no different from that. And there's been a lot of activity and uh, some information in here that you might be interested or, well, is of interest to me and I think hopefully to you as well. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude is currently trading at $86.79. That's basically down eight cents from yesterday or 0.09%. So it's not even one tenth of a percent down. Brent crude is at $92.79. That's down $2.95 from yesterday or a 3.08% decrease. National average for gas prices, current average cross country is at $3.78. Of course, that's down about a penny from yesterday, about six cents from the uh, last week. But from a month ago, it's down about uh, 30 cents or so. But if you compare that to a year ago, when gas prices were at $3.19, we are still paying 59 cents more per gallon of gas than what we were paying back then. And that's an 18% increase, again, way above what the target uh, inflation rate of like 1.2% that the Fed keeps talking about. So at 18%, we're well above that. And then when you compare that to two years ago, when gas prices were at $2.30, you were paying $1.48 more per gallon now than what you were paying two years ago, which is a 64% increase. On the diesel side, diesel is currently at uh, $5.06. Uh, that has been jumping up a little bit from um, the last few weeks or whatever. It's it's kind of leveled off and just kind of stayed steady there. Uh, of course, a week ago it was at five oh seven. Uh, a month ago it was at uh, five seventeen. So down about uh, eleven cents from a month ago. But when you compare that five oh six dollars per gallon of diesel to a year ago when diesel was at three dollars and thirty cents a gallon, you're paying. more per gallon. Folks, that's a 53% increase. And again, even though it's come down a lot, it's still way up over a year ago and way up above that targeted 1.2% increase as far as consumer price index or the inflation rate of what they keep targeting. Then when you compare that to two years ago when uh, diesel prices were $2.44, you're paying $2.62 more per gallon of diesel. Folks, again, that is, for now, that is a 107% increase in just two years. And I remind you every day, 
and because we always have new listeners and and sometimes people tune out and they don't listen um as because you know some people don't pay attention to what's going on in every part of the segment i don't understand why but anyway two years ago for the first time since 1949 we were energy independent for the first time since 1949 energy independent that's because we were drilling in the Gulf, drilling on our own lands, and drilling up in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, and the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline was ongoing. Now, what is going on in as far as oil prices is concerned? And we've been seeing the oil prices coming down, and then, of course, they've come down dramatically, but then you look at the gas prices, and they've kind of trickled down. But there, there's there's this push-pull going on right now. Um, one, one factor is pushing, and the other factor is pulling uh prospects of additional interest rate uh, is spooking the market a little bit and again one of the first stories i covered when i started doing america's trucking network is the fact of of gas prices and oil prices especially oil prices are kind of a mental game if people are feeling good about the economy then the oil prices will go a certain way if they're feeling bad about the economy they'll go a different way and anything that uh, comes in there that might be some potential bad news for them they factor that into their decision even though it's not currently uh, happening now in other words one of the things they pointed out was that with what the Biden administration did when they first uh, came in on board and canceling all the leases and and stopped the drilling and all this sort of stuff of course that boosted prices up because do you, you know, do you take a certain amount of oil off the market and then you have a shortage which then if you got a high demand then of course the price is going to shoot up so what they were saying then is just the mere fact that if they talked about bringing back the Keystone XL pipeline, that would drive just the talk of it, not the completion of it, not the start of, of it, but just the talk of going forward would reduce oil by about $10 a barrel. They pointed out the fact that the Arab Emirates at the time had said that they were going to increase production, said they were going to increase production. Didn't They weren't doing it yet, but that mere fact there dropped oil prices by $20 a barrel. So could you imagine in this country if all of a sudden we said, you know what, we're tired of dealing with Russia over there, Russia, and, and, and there's some additional sanctions going on Russia right now, and what Russia's doing is, okay, all right, well, if we can't sell our oil over here, we got plenty of people in the Asian markets, especially China, that will go ahead and buy it. They're having record sales as far as their oil, or their oil production, even though they are being sanctioned. They're being punished. It's like you're punishing a country and they're making more money because there's other options for them because not everybody's on board with these sanctions. China certainly isn't. India isn't. And some of these other countries. So they've got a, a open market to these other areas and they're making money hand over fist. Back in 2020, when we were energy independent for the first time since 1949, their economy was in a shambles. They were talking about how they are becoming more and more of a third world country with nukes because they don't produce gas and oil efficiently or environmentally friendly and um, they don't distribute it very uh, environmentally friendly or efficiently. And so when get, when oil prices are way down in the $60 range or the $50 range, like they were back in 2020, they weren't making as much per ga gallon or per barrel on their oil. 
And when you're not making a whole lot of money, <laughs> you don't have a lot of money to spend. You don't have a lot of money to go out and invade other countries. You don't have a lot of money to go and, 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 uh, actually hold, put a gun to the head of the Germans that if they don't get on board or you have control over them, you're going to cut off the pipeline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The mere fact that their economy was in a shambles because of us controlling the world's oil prices as opposed to OPEC. I mean, we were part of the puzzle there, but OPEC was looking at what we were doing and saying, well, we got to adjust ourselves accordingly. Well, now you don't have that adjustment available. You don't have that other, that counterbalancing weight there. And then they're talking about, you know, continuing going ongoing lockdowns in China, which are reducing demand. And then, of course, the threat or the, the, the feeling that we're, go, we're we are in a recession, <laughs> The administration hasn't admitted it, but everybody else has admitted it for them. Folks, we're in the middle of recession, whether they want to admit it or not. And one of the things that they're talking about is that the uh, talks with Iran are are stalling, which OPEC had uh, assumed that those talks were going to go forward and that then Iran was going to start being allowed to produce oil and or at least sell it uh, worldwide. Well, they started reducing their production to offset that. Well, now they're having to ramp that back up because it looks like those stocks, are, uh, those talks are stalling. And one of the other features in here is that well, one thing that's pointed out, and you know, of course, the environmentalists, the climbingists, will never tell you this, but you're going to hear it here. According to weather analysts, this is the first time in 25 years that a named Atlantic storm did not develop in August. Of course, you know, all this stuff factored into oil prices and all this sort of stuff has to do with, well, we're going to have to shut down any of the oil rigs or the remaining oil rigs in the Gulf or as far as uh, transporting and ships going into the Gulf, um, bringing goods into the ports or out of the ports. Uh, the fact that there's been no major named hurricane in the Gulf for the first time in 25 years. Hmm. I thought this climate change was going to lead to more natural disasters. Apparently, once again, they're wrong. Coming up, we've got news at the bottom of the hour, and then we've got uh, Today in Transportation History. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Senator Mitch McConnell, not happy. This is the 1230 Report. Good morning. I'm Rob Carpenter. Breaking now. It's been just over a month since heavy rain and flooding devastated eastern Kentucky. And Senator Mitch McConnell continues to blast shortcomings in the federal response. Specifically, the senator's critical of the application process that flood victims have to follow and how simple clerical errors jam them up. McConnell also says in a statement Tuesday that he's called the FEMA administrator to tell her the agency needs to step up and that he expects aid will begin to flow more smoothly soon. And he will keep working around the clock to make it happen. I'm Matt Reese. News Radio 700 WLW. Now the latest forecast from the Train Heating and Cooling Weather Center on News Radio 700 WLW. 
Partly cloudy, some areas of fog. A morning low of 63. Our Wednesday then, mostly sunny though, and a high of 80. At night, clear down to 59. And a look ahead, rain likely this weekend. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning, Chief Meteorologist Steve Raleigh. News Radio 700 WLW. 69 degrees, like it or not. Here's your Reds update. 700 WLW. Sports. The Cubs capitalized on 11 Reds walks as they beat the Reds in the series opener of a three-game series 9-3 at Wrigley Field in Chicago on Tuesday night. Kyle Farmer had a big night of the plate for the Reds, driving home all three Reds runs, first with a two-run triple in the first and then a solo home run in the third. But in the end, it's all Cubs 9-3, the final at Wrigley. Series continues on Wednesday when the Reds send lefty Mike Miner to the mound against right-hander Javier Assad. First pitch is 7:40. Airtime is 7:10 across the Reds radio network. Thank you, Tommy. Sounds good. City Council in Dayton, Kentucky, passing a smoking ban this week. The ordinance prohibits smoking and vaping in Dayton restaurants and other public spaces. The new rule going into effect in about 60 days. Violators of the ordinance can be fined up to 50 bucks while businesses receive a warning for the first violation that a fine of up to $100. The DCC passing that measure in a three to two vote. I'm Rob Carpenter. Your next update at midnight. Breaking news anytime. News Radio 700 WLW. From the team who brought you Atlanta Monster and Up and Vanished comes the new true crime podcast, La Monstra. In the 80s and 90s, Belgium was... Here's the trucking forecast for the tri-state and for the rest of the country tonight. Showers ending overnight, becoming clear, low 62. Patchy fog for your Wednesday before 10 a.m. And a mostly sunny day, high 79. Wednesday night, mostly clear, low 58. Thursday, sunshine 79. Following another day of record heat on Tuesday from California to the central high plains, expect sizzling temps to stick around through midweek. Numerous daily record high temperatures likely to be broken from the northern Rockies and high plains on south to southern California. Hottest temperatures are anticipated to be in central and southern California where daily maximum temperatures soaring as high as 110 degrees. Wednesday's hottest temps compared to normal are expected to set up in the Snake River Valley and northern high plains where high temperature departures range between 20 and 30 degrees above normal. In addition to the stifling daytime high temperatures, nighttime lows will not provide much relief as minimum temperature departures also range between 15 to 30 degrees above normal. Some relief from the searing heat finally arrives late Wednesday night into Thursday as a cold front comes south from western Canada. 24-hour temperature swings could be as dramatic as 20 to 30 degrees on Thursday in contrast to Wednesday's oppressive heat in parts of northern Montana. Frontal passage, however, will result in blustery winds across the northern high plains and northern Rockies. Combination of strong winds, low humidity levels, and dry fuels 
support the potential for enhanced fire weather risks. Unfortunately for the West Coast, excessively hot conditions are likely to persist into Thursday, but finally cool down to more seasonally warm levels by the weekend. By Wednesday, thunderstorms will continue to flare up from the mid-Atlantic to the Gulf Coast due to a frontal boundary slowly tracking across the southeast and a pair of upper-level disturbances tracking through the mid-Atlantic and mid-South. Cold front racing across the north-central U.S. set to produce strong to severe storms across the upper Mississippi Valley. There could be some severe weather in parts of the Minnesota Arrowhead, northern Wisconsin, and Michigan's Upper Peninsula. This is America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. I'm Kevin Gordon. Thanks for hanging with us. Certainly appreciate it. I certainly appreciate the fact that you are out there because if you're not out there, I'm not here. And I like being here, so uh, thanks for being there. Anyway, um, if you listen to the news at the bottom of the hour, of course, there's still um, weather issues going on out there. Of course, they've got rain in certain areas and dangerous heat. So, again, may, uh, pay heed to that and, and pay attention to, to where those locations are so that you can be safe out there. Because, uh, of course, we want everybody to be safe out there. That's for sure. Now, as we always do in this segment, uh, we usually take a step back and look at today in transportation history. Because, again, I like looking back and, and having an appreciation for how far we've come and then appreciate the sacrifices of those that came before us to get us to this point. Also, by looking back on history, we can learn from the lessons of history and not make those mistakes going forward. And, of course, the old saying that if you do not learn from history, you're destined to repeat it. And the sacrifices of those that came before us is very highlighted in this story for today. Uh, on this date, uh, September the 7th, 1970, legendary polar explorer died at the age of 95. Arctic explorer Donald Braxton, Baxton McMillan, a lifelong New Englander who made seminal contributions to transportation in the world's northernmost regions, died at the age of 95, Provincetown, Massachusetts. In recounting McMillan's final years as a resident of the Cape Cod community, the New York Times highlighted his steadfast love for sailing and other maritime pursuits. His deck was the porch of a ship-shaped home facing the Atlantic. So he built his home as if it were a ship facing the Atlantic, which is kind of cool. I've seen those in a couple of uh, locations. And um, there was a place up in northern Ohio somewhere that had a um, a truck stop at one point that almost looked like a, a one of those old um, uh, dirigibles, the uh, like the, the Zeppelin. So uh, interesting um, how the, the construction of these things sometimes go towards you know, either some sort of a of a of a ship or a plane or something along those lines. Uh so McMillan had been born in Provincetown in eighteen seventy four. Both his parents died by the time he was thirteen and he ended up moving to Freeport, Maine to live with an older sister. McMillan attended Bodine um, College in Pine Tree State and graduated in eighteen ninety eight with a degree in geology. His work over the next several years included teaching at Worcester Academy and a uh, college preparatory school in Massachusetts. McMillan's career as an Arctic explorer took shape as a result of his friendship with U.S. Navy commander and fellow Bowdoin, uh, Bowdoin graduate Robert E. Perry. Uh, Perry invited McMillan to take part in his famous 1908-1909 
expedition to the North Pole. McMillan's journey with Perry and other members of his party as far as the 85th parallel, which is where they were going. It was at this point that McMillan had to stop traveling northward because of frozen heels. McMillan hobbled back to uh, set up supply caches for the uh, party's eventual trip home. Perry, for his part, continued pressing onward toward the North Pole and allegedly made it there about a month later. While McMillan's inaugural Arctic expedition was cut short, he d- it did stoke his uh, enthusiasm for exploring that area of the planet. In 1913, he led an expedition to northern Greenland to investigate the possible existence of a large island known as Crocker Land. Crocker Land was supposedly been sighted by Perry in 1906, but McMillan and the other members of the expedition could not find it. As if that wasn't bad enough, McMillan and his party became stranded in the region while some of the men did manage to make their way back to civilization over the next few years. We're talking years, folks, not just a couple of days. Uh, McMillan uh, continued to remain stuck in the area from until 1917. So the expedition started in 1913, so four years stranded in a northern region. The ice is unbelievable. Uh, after two relief vessels were unable to successfully navigate the ice-packed waters of the region, the ship Neptune did get through to rescue McMillan and those still stranded with him. One of the positive aspects of him being stranded there was the fact that uh, he was able to think a lot and have a lot of time on his hand. And what he did is he came up with some idea of how to build ships that could navigate up there. As a result of his efforts, and of course, uh, 1917 era, then World War One kind of interfered with some of these plans. But after the war, he was able to put these plans back into um, um start working on them, I guess I should say. The result of McMillan's effort was the schooner Bowden, which was completed in main town of East uh, Boothbury in 1921 and named after his alma mater. The Bowden, which is the only American schooner to be built specifically for Arctic exploration. The the key features included a larger-than-average rudder uh, uh, turning rapidly so that they could avoid the icebergs and the ice construction. It was uh, constructed with a double framed with white oak, double planked, etc., so that it could travel through these uh, icy waters. And then it had a propeller propeller that was deep so that it could not get uh, tangled up and everything. And then, of course, the the hull of the ship was rounded so it could rise up above the, the water a little bit and then crush through the ice as they're going through. During the summer of 1921, McMillan piloted the Bowden in her maiden voyage. Over the next sec- several decades, and made numerous other trips. Major discoveries of Arctic geology, botany, zoology, and geography, McMillan made his final voyage to the Arctic aboard the Bowden in 1959, just a few days short of his 80th birthday. First, he was first to pilot a plane in the skies above the Arctic region, also used the first snowmobile in that part of the world. Uh, safe to say that his uh, interest in traveling didn't just restrict him to the Earth. Uh, when um, Alan Shepard was about ready to uh, 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 travel in space, he lightheartedly asked McMillan, who was 94 at the time, if he was available to fly to the moon with him. <laughs> Not hesitating to answer, he responded, damn right. So, anyway. Um. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is uh, just an incredible feat that this person and the sacrifices that he did to explore the Arctic region. Donald Baxter McMillan dying on this day on uh, September the 7th, 1970. So anyway, um, that was kind of a long story. But, uh, you know, some of these characters from history. You know they're 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 not very well known. I mean Robert Perry and, and his trip to the Arctic, and of course there's been all this uh, talk over the years whether or not he actually made it to the North Pole, and of course there are people that are doubting that and all this sort of stuff. I guess North Pole deniers, I guess you should, could, could call them now. But uh, there are other people that 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 sacrifice that that risk their lives to explore these areas to get to know some of the stuff that's going on in those areas and the finds that they had. You know produced uh you know a, a better ship um knowing more about the planet and and how the planet is set up um which helps scientific research over the years so hats off to him and uh, uh all the all those people that uh sacrifice so much in order to get us to this point today because you know we take for granted i mean uh, how many people, I mean, the, the generation of, of, of knowing about two-lane highways going between here and Florida and, and how many days of travel that would take um, is lost on a lot of people. Now, with the freeway system, you can get, you know, access to all over this country in a short period of time. It has opened up so much in terms of being able to move goods from one end of the country to another, uh, have people experience stuff that they would not normally uh, experience had it not been for the great transportation, vacations that people can now take in a matter of days. And as we uh, talked about yesterday, that back in 1919, the U.S. Army did a convoy from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco. Took them 62 days because of the road conditions at the time. Now with the freeway system, you make that trip in a little over 48 hours. Just incredible of how, how far we've come in just 100 years. Anyway, coming up, we've got uh, some of the other stories we're going to get to. Of course, Department of Transportation uh, and the money that they are making available. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. Get ready to win your way into our 2022 iHeartRadio Music Festival. September 23rd and 24th at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Network, 700 WLW. I'm Kevin Gordon. And you're the audience. Isn't that great how that works? By the way, thanks for spending time with us. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, be a good time to remind you that if you miss any part of the program, uh, go to 700WLW, the iHeartRadio app. Scroll through the various shows. Find America's Trucking Network. All the shows, all the interviews, right there at your fingertips. And we thank Rush Truck Centers for sponsoring that segment or sponsoring those podcasts. <laughs> Looking at uh, some other news that we've got for you today, Department of Transportation gives states $512 million for road and bridge repairs to help communities rebuild vital infrastructure damaged by extreme weather and wildfires. Uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation announced $512.2 million in emergency relief program funds to help 30 states, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. 
Hurricanes that struck the Gulf uh, Gulf Coast to wildfires in California and floods and mudslides are part of the issue here. In the fiscal year 2020 emergency relief program, allocation funding is to enable repairs to roads and bridges, uh, recent storms, floods, wildfires, and so on. Washington State received the highest number of emergency relief allocations for 10 events, which uh, with a total of 21 million granted for events ranging from severe storms in December of 2018 to wildfires in August of 2020 because of severe heat. So this is not just natural disasters or disasters that have happened just within the last year. I mean, this this is going to funding back to 2018. Uh, receiving the highest amount at $95.5 million was California's nine emergency relief allocations. And, of course, they had Thompson Creek, Rye, Lilac, and other wildfires, rainstorms, and monsoons in San Bernardino County and so on. Tennessee received eight allocations amounting to 18.4 million. Although Kentucky, my home state or where I live here in the northern, well, in this greater Cincinnati area, although Kentucky is still reeling from recent flooding in the eastern part of the state, it will receive 11.5 million in funds for storms, flooding, landslides, mudslides, straight line winds and tornadoes that occurred in February and December of 2021. Now, we'd also had flooding and what whatnot in the western part of Kentucky just last year. So uh, both ends of the of the state have have seen a lot of, of, of problems with weather related and of course with, with with rainy seasons. But again, weather is constantly changing. I I wanna make a note of the fact that when you know they start talking about extreme temperatures and, and this type of thing it's it's always interesting to look to listen to what they say when they're talking about that. And you know the weatherman will come on there and they'll say, "It hasn't been this hot since." Well, the since there is the very important word in that sentence. You know, if you're talking about climate change and you want to talk about how the weather has changed dramatically over the years, but when you're comparing and you're saying, "Well, we haven't had this kind of flooding uh, since a hundred years ago." Well, what was the climate change back then? What was the carbon footprint of the country back then? How many cars did we have? So when they're comparing this, you know, I grew up where I grew up when I was born. The year I was born, 1953, that year was the the week before and a week after was the hottest on record in the city where I lived. And my poor mother back in that, those days, not everybody had air conditioning. And so leading up, can you imagine being nine months pregnant and, uh, well, eight and then nine months pregnant during the summer? I was born the end of August. And so carrying a child, no air conditioning, with the temperatures going up in the 90s, 94, 98, 90, all that, all records. It, it, every time it was, you know, every time around my birthday, my mom would say, because the weatherman would come on and say, well, the temperature today is 84 degrees, but that's nowhere near the record temperature back in 1953. And she said, yeah, the, the year that you were born and then the, the, the week after. So the like that two, three-week stretch there, the highest temperatures on record. And so when people start talking about global warming and they start talking about temperatures and whatever, pay attention to what they're saying. If this is the hottest temperature since 1898, or 1924, or whatever. Well, it happened before, 
So this isn't an anomaly. This isn't uh, uh, something that we've caused, that the tipping the scales, so to speak. These are natural cycles. And that's the thing that irritates me about this. I mean, how many times have you planned an event? How many times have you said, all right, we're going to do this and let's take a look at the weather forecast? And the weather forecast is not anywhere near what you thought it was going to be. Uh, we just had this past weekend, one of the biggest uh, uh, fireworks displays in the country is done uh, Labor Day weekend in this area. It's sponsored by the sister radio station here and one of the big insurance companies called the WEBN uh, Western Southern Fireworks. And they were talking about um, on Saturday when it was raining a lot, they're saying, oh, well, it's maybe a, a bad day tomorrow because it's supposed to rain all day. Well, it rained a little bit in the morning, but uh, had great weather for the rest of the day. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing what rain today, uh, well, yesterday, and then again today. So if they can't predict the weather within the next 24 hours, what makes you think that they can actually accurately predict the weather 15 years from now? So anyway, that's my rant for the day. Anyway, TQL has a non-compete agreement, and this is perplexing. I've had this story now for probably about a week, and I keep reading it and reading it, and I can't figure out how in the hell TQL is getting away with this. Basically, the story is a guy that was working for their company, had been working for them uh, for a number of years. I think he started with the company uh, 2000. I think it says he started with the company in 2007, rose to the ranks, etc. Now, um, TQL, you may not be aware of this, but they are a um, logistics firm, Total Quality Logistics. They're located here in the greater Cincinnati area. And I usually don't like slamming companies because, uh, you know, unless they deserve it, because businesses and, and capitalism is the thing that built this country as well as the hardworking people of this country. And, of course, you know, entrepreneurs that start a business and so on are the people that, you know, hire the people and so on. So, anyway, I have a tough time criticizing companies. But this, it talks about this guy went to work for an wanted to go to work for an insurance company in their trucking line. And because of this logistics company, they said, you're prohibited from doing that and was going to file suit against the company for even talking to him or hiring him. He went to work for a small uh, uh, trucking firm, and they uh, threatened to sue that company. And according to the non-compete he signed, it prohibits him from working for competing businesses. Now, I, in my mind, that would tell me another logistics company defined as any person, firm, corporation or entity that is engaged in shipping, third-party logistics, freight brokerage, truck brokerage, or supply chain management services in the continental United States. Now, folks, that is so overbroad and so overreaching that you can't – the company is located here in, in, in Cincinnati. And, yes, they do have, have uh, operations in and, and other cities and, and so on. But unless you are taking a book of business, I see no reason why. You, I mean, that would be like you working for a department store as a kid um, in you know in school or whatever, 
And then, the- hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.